this whole story, God has given me the gift of being able to look back Mm -hmm. and see what he's done. And I can't deny it. There is nothing that could ever, that could ever keep me from saying that that wasn't God's plan because that was too perfect. Welcome to Rugged Theology, where we talk church planting, theology, and drink coffee. Welcome to Rugged Theology. I am Adam Diamond, and today we have another one of our newest interns uh, sat here with us. And we're going to be telling you his story. The interesting about this guy, Wes Goulet or Goulet? Goulet. Goulet. Yeah. Uh, Newfoundlander in me wants to say Goulet, but I've done enough French. I'm just like, it seems like you wouldn't pronounce it. Yeah. Surprising amount of people get it wrong. Don't worry about it. <laughs> um, so interesting about thing about Wes, and you'll hear more about later, is that this guy drove across the country in a, was it, is it 2018 Kia Soul? 2012 Kia Soul. 2012, yeah, so way older than that. God-blessed vehicle. So that vehicle literally has soul. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> and Wes loves my jokes. <laughs> All right, so Wes has been here for, what, like two months now, two and a half months? Yeah, about 10 weeks, I think. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so what we're doing, Wes, is that you can just, you know, go ahead and tell these people who you are, um, how you grew up, kind of your testimony thing, introduce yourself to them, let them know who Wes is. Um, some of you may have seen Wes if you attend Calvary at services. You may have even seen him out front singing. Um, but here's a chance for you to hear Wes's heart, how he grew up, how he encountered Christ, and what even you know caused him to drive across country to come to probably the most you know forgotten place <laughs> or at least we feel like it's the most forgotten place at times you no know, isolating um definitely not as much sun definitely as would you say it's colder than bc about at, the at same time. little colder at, at times, yeah. Yeah, yeah at times yeah definitely a bit of a different culture but uh wes uh enough of me why don't you go ahead introduce yourself and tell us you know how you came to faith and what it was like for you growing up in bc all right well hi i'm i'm wesley uh, I'm 19 years old. I'm I grew up in in Surrey, BC, and yeah. So I guess I guess for starters, I grew up in a in a Christian home, very much so. Both my parents came to faith when they were in that kind of 17 to 19 kind of range, and we we moved to BC when I was probably six, and yeah. So uh, we we had a we live we live in a small neighborhood in a nice little townhouse small 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 place you see like three people you know when you walk the dog um even though surrey's a pretty big place and uh it all kind of started when we first attended this church where i'm from called real life community church or as i'll reference it later rlcc and yeah my dad has always been uh he's he's an elder at heart um and what comes with being an elder's kid is a lot of a lot of work and a lot of volunteering for the church, right? Mm-hmm. I'm sure I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. And so probably since since I was eight years old, I've been on that setup team because man, RLCC was a very 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 stereotypical church plant, like showing up 7:30 to a to a school building that we rent because the services are out of their gym, and set up and tear down. There were these there was this all of our stuff was stored in this 
door that was up high on the on the gym walls for some reason. And so we had to open the door and then our pastor, we'll, we'll call him, we called him P Mike because he didn't like being called pastor Mike. He thought it was too formal. He welded these giant, like these huge metal stairs. And so we would climb up and we would drop the stairs. And so I've, we've been doing this, me and my brother and my sister and my dad have been doing this for 10 years and people would be on the top and on the bottom, they'd slide it down and then we'd begin to load everything down and we'd set up all the chairs and the curtain and all these things. And did you give it like a cheesy name, like the stairway to heaven or anything? Nope. I totally would have. Yeah. I know you would have. <laughs> I know you would have, Adam. Uh, but yeah, it was, I mean, that's formational. It feels like you're doing something. Also what comes with being, uh, an elder's kid, I guess. Um, my house <laughs> could have been considered a, like a RLCC Western campus. You know what I mean? Like elders meetings, worship practices, youth groups, alpha, marriage counseling, all the above was right in my house. Okay. And I would interact with like all these, all these people from the church, the 60 to 80 odd people that would be in my house for one reason or another. Maybe they just Maybe they just needed a, a meal. Maybe they needed fellowship. But I mean, when you're exposed to like that much of church and that much of people who are mature in the faith as well, I mean, that really starts to shape the way you see church. And so my experience with church has always been very, very like in the front lines, very much like even though I was a spectator a lot of the time, I mean, I would participate in the worship practices, right? I've been mm-hmm. doing that for a while, but I mean... uh so much of it was watching my, my mom and my dad and my, and my pastor work in the lives of these people and just observing that. And at the same time, just being ready to, Hey Wes, I need you to dot, dot, dot. Hey Wes, could you help me? Dot, dot, dot. Yes, sir. And so you, you live in this neighborhood where everybody from your church lives and you see everybody everywhere you go. And, and everybody's just looking forward to when they get to see each other next at church. And you know, our church wasn't perfect. Nobody's church is perfect. Mm-hmm. And ev- like people have problems and that's how it goes. But I mean, to a, a young mind that is very much prone to influence, I loved it, you know? And, you know, waking up that early was, for setup was, was tough sometimes. And, and I didn't want to sing a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, there was that mindset of you got to do what you got to do because if you don't do it, nobody else will. I've been at this church pretty much since like the, the first grade all the way through. And then it was about... It was, it was October of 2019 when, uh, P Mike passed away and you know, a lot of people were there because they love P Mike. He's a sociable guy. You know, he's, he's always, he's always been there. He's been there since the beginning. It's, it's what people are comfortable with. I mean, think about any church that has to go through a change in leadership. I mean, that's going to hurt numbers for sure. Right. A long and hard battle with cancer. And eventually he went on to glory. And I mean, we knew that, but it was hard to accept that. But I mean, I don't think I've ever seen a larger attendance at a funeral. I'm pretty sure all of Fleetwood, which was my little neighborhood, showed up to that funeral because everybody knew this guy. Mm. And so did we. And, you know, me and, me and my friends from church were just, we were ushering at the door. We were just cracking jokes. And, like, I know I didn't really understand. Neither did they. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's a hard thing to kind of go through. And then in the following weeks, we asked the question like, well, where does RLCC go from here? My whole family, we've been in the ins and outs of this church for nearly 10 years at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, hey, we can, we can keep it going until we get a new pastor. Let's just keep, let's just keep the, the boat floating, right? Okay. 
I mean, practically, they just looked like it was, it was, it was, it was relatively the same thing for me, at least. Yeah. Not for my dad, but for me, it was just like the the situations were higher stakes. And my dad had a period where he had to, he took a leave of absence from his work uh, to be kind of like a, like just the the full time in, interim pastor. Mm-hmm. And keep in mind, my dad has no formal education. But then eventually, um, he got back into. He eventually started working two full time jobs, and uh, we're just we're between the five of us my my brother, my sister, myself, my mom, and my dad. We did everything that was there to be done. We did well. Yeah, no, there were volunteers. There were volunteers, but <laughs> like. Like we were, we were on kids ministry, we were on sound, we were on media, we were on worship, we were on setup, and between all that we could do for the church and my dad writing sermons every week on top of working a nine to five, mm-hmm. right? Like we were, we were burning out, but what can you do? Right. Because you just, you got to keep going. Shortly after it was shortly after P Mike died that COVID hit. BC. Okay. I don't know when it hit everybody else. I don't really have everybody else's timelines, but two weeks after P Mike died, then the lockdown started to happen. And so we also had to get the church through COVID, which I mean, there was a period where we got kicked out of the building. So we got these, we got these tents that we had to set up and we'd have church in the parking lot, you know, and thank goodness it was, it was only a summer that that had to happen because I think, I think they were just redoing the floors or something, but we had, we had to do church in the parking lot and you know, there's, <laughs> it was cool. There's a lot more downsides than upsides to something like that. Right. Um, so instead of fighting over like pew chairs, people were fighting over parking spots. Yep. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> um, there was just a lot of, there was a lot of trials within what was already pretty challenging. And then I graduated high school and I decided in probably like halfway through grade 10, You'll see this as a pattern. I decided pretty early and pretty, pretty harshly. I decided I was going to go to Ontario and do a gap year program called Act Five. And you, you finished high school through COVID too, right? Well, I it kind of it really died down halfway through my grade twelve year. So I did get a graduation, but just okay. barely by the skin of my teeth. My sister is a year older than me. Mm-hmm. She would have been the grade above. She didn't get a grad, but I I did. Praise God. Um, and so yeah, it was good. Left high school on good terms. Um, and, and RLCC blessed me as I went on this next adventure. So I, I stayed for the summer and I left and I hadn't left home before. It was a pretty big jump, but I mean, how hard could it be? Right. (laughs) Um, so I left and it was about two weeks in that, uh, well, oh, well, first of all, I'll explain kind of what the, what the program was like. So essentially it was in downtown Hamilton, which I know all you Ontarioites are like Hamilton. What the heck were you doing in Hamilton? <laughs> Toronto is the center of the world, right? Yeah, absolutely. And so, but hey, shout out to Hamilton, Ontario. That place is awesome. Um, but yeah, um, I essentially lived in a house, a giant house on Blake Street with 23 other people. There were 12 students, five or six residents that were just, that were just doing university and around the city. And mm-hmm. then, and then, two and then eventually three leaders. And we all just lived in a house and did life together. That was the whole point. Knowing your place, just living it out in your, wherever you are, wherever God has put you. And about two weeks into the, into the program, we left for a canoe trip, 10 day canoe trip. And you know, that doesn't sound very appealing to me. I don't know if it sounds appealing to any of you listeners, but I mean, 
that's not really my scene. But I mean, hey, how hard can it be, right? So how hard was it? It was pretty hard. <laughs> it was pretty hard. Um, and so, yeah, we, we, we left for this, for this camp and it was kind of like the checkpoint. And then the night, the morning, the following morning was when we would leave like really early. Mm -hmm. And so for the whole month of September, we weren't allowed to have our phones. It was like a, like you were allowed to have them after September, but September it's like, no, just get to know the people, do your thing. So I didn't have my phone. I hadn't been in contact with my family. Mm -hmm. Right. And so the, the night before we left, we were allowed to call home for the first time. I mean, there was a house phone, but nobody really used it because we never really knew where it was. That's just how it goes with those house phones. But the, uh, we, we were given our phones, and I call my mom, as anybody would do, right? And there's no answer. And I'm like, wow, that's kind of cold. <laughs> Son moves away. Haven't, haven't seen him or talked to him in two weeks. Doesn't pick up. That's a little rough. Call her again. Ah, she'll pick up. She doesn't pick up. Now I'm a little concerned. I call my dad. No answer. What the heck is going on? What's the deal? Yeah, right? what's yeah. the deal? You know? Um, and then I call my sister. And my sister picks up, but she's crying. I ask her, like, what's going on? What's the deal? And it takes her a little bit to get it out, but I'll never forget it. It's like a permanent, like, little audio recording in my brain. I don't think I'll ever forget it. And she said, she, she told me that dad made the call. The church is closing down. Right? And, like... She said, she said, we're tired, Wes. We, we can't hold on anymore. Mm -hmm. And I'll, I'll remember those words for the rest of my life. And I was, I was standing in a field right next. I was sitting on a, no, I, I was next to a park bench looking out into this field. And it was nighttime. I, could, I couldn't see past this tree line. And I was just like, the world just fell apart. You know, you leave home. Church mm -hmm. sent you off. Your world is, the, is your people. It has been. And then suddenly, after all this hard work, after probably three years of hard work. We're just done. That's it. That's all we get. We were supposed to win. You know, mm -hmm. we, we were supposed to come out on top and, and Northview had come alongside us and they said, you know, we're going to, we're going to financially support you. We're going to get you what you need. We're going to give you candidates for a pastor. It's, and, and they adopted us as one of their campuses. And for that, like, I'll always be grateful for Northview. And after the church closed, after I went back home, that's what, that's the church we went to. And so that was, that was one of the connections, but we'll, I'll get there later. But in that moment, it was just like, what the heck, God? This was, this, was, we, this was not one we were supposed to lose, man. You know, and, and I just started to cry. And I didn't like that because I'd only known these people for probably two weeks. And then my phone sucked. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was all cracked and the battery was nearly dead. Mm -hmm. And then Liv said she had to go abruptly. Liv's my sister. That's her name. Um, and I, I was like, what are you talking about? Like, help me out here. Give me some context. And she had hung up and I was like, what the heck? Mm -hmm. And so then I call my mom again and she picks up and I hear her in the middle of scolding Liv. You, why would you tell him that? that like <laughs> first time he calls home and you drop that bomb on him. You know what I mean? And so my mom gave me the context. And so the reason it was the reason they hadn't called back is because dad had like just made the call. So two weeks of me not being able to contact my parents at all. Mm -hmm. The one chance I get to call them was two hours after my dad had made the call to shut down the church. 
Impeccable timing. Impeccable <laughs> timing. Come on. Come on. And right before a 10-day canoe trip? Yeah. Oh, man. So, you know, and my leader, my leader, he, my, my phone, my phone actually died in the middle of my call with my mom. Oh, no. And so all I had, I, I first I went around like sobbing, like, do you have a charger, please? <laughs> and then eventually I got one, but it was one of those, the, one of the, the tiny box chargers. And so it took forever to charge. And then I was just sitting there. I was just like, mom couldn't talk to me. Phone was dead. I'm just sitting here. And I'm just, I can't believe it. I take a couple laps, you know, I, I go into this building and eventually the, the leader of the, the kind of guys, uh, took me aside and he just, he just asked me what was wrong. Mm-hmm. And like the first of many times, um, I said the church closed down and I could see it in his eyes. He didn't quite understand. And you'll hear a lot about that later, but he just gave me a hug and I just cried and I talked to mom. And she laid it all out for me and I went to bed and I just tried not to think about it. Wake up really early in the morning to go on this canoe trip. And I'm just like, I'm just zoned out. You know, I'm not thinking about the church. I'm not thinking about these people. I'm just like, just pretty flat. I'm flat. Yeah. Like I've just, I, I haven't processed it yet. You know, so many questions. And we just, we went on the trip. That was it. We left. You know, nobody mm-hmm. really knew what was wrong. It's just, I just left. But, you know, I was just like, Wes, don't be a, don't be a suck. Just pull your, pull up your bootstraps and get in the, get in the, get in the canoe. Yeah. Right. Get, you get know, it done. yeah. So we did and we got hit by a storm immediately. And so all of our stuff was soaked, but that was okay. Cause we bounced back, but we just, we just got moving. Uh, and I think we did like 96 kilometers in 10 days. And we, we did everything ourselves. We slept under these, these tarps that we would tie from cords to trees. And then we would lay mats underneath and sleep underneath. And it was, it was awesome. And you know, like, like when I tell this story, like a lot of people are like, wow, that, that timing's really, really rough, Wes. Well, was it, or was the timing perfect? Was, was that trip exactly what I needed? And you know, well, like they told us right out the gate, the first day we had an assignment and it was, it was eventually one day you would share a story, preferably yours mm-hmm. or maybe your mom's or somebody's. And you would just, you would just write out your story and you'd, and you'd share it. And so I'm like, oh, here we go. Absolutely perfect. What am I supposed to have this processed in, in <laughs> six days? That's crazy, you know? Um, and that whole trip, I just, I didn't talk to God. I just, I just wrote it out, the whole story from the beginning, and now it's over. You know, uh, it's, and it was, it was really tough, but I shared it and it was good for me. You know, I got it out and, and, you know, the, my, my fellow students who would eventually become my closest friends, like got that piece of my heart right away. And I mean, that really, it really helped. And, you know, the trip ended and it was, it was good. It was, it was hard, but it was good. If you're familiar with the term type two fun, you'll know what I mean. It's uh, like, it's fun when you look back on it, but it really wasn't fun then, <laughs> you know? And so it was, it was, yeah, yeah. And so we, we went through the rest of the year just, just 
doing classes, light, light religious classes, you know, it because it was a Christian based program, made really close friends and first time with a roommate and all the, all the jazz and the mess and the spaghetti that comes with living in a house with 23 people. And it was amazing. And I, I talked about the church a lot, but I mean, I couldn't say that I honestly believed that God's plan was better than my own because I just could not comprehend mm-hmm. that we fought so long just to lose, just for God to say, okay, you're good. You're good. You know? Yep. So, I mean, trying to, or I mean, not trying to think through what God was doing just paralyzed my faith. Absolutely paralyzed it. And I, and there were, it was good because there was a lot of time where I got to share the story in a, in a far more formal sense with, with more people, with a lot of people of what had happened. And I got to talk about how I see God working in me now in this program, but I didn't see him working back home because it just kind of felt like home was on fire, Mm -hmm. you know? And then I went home for Christmas and I saw my family and they were just, they were just happy. They were good. And we talked about it and they would, they would cry, you know, but it was fine because they could see what God was doing, but I just couldn't. And then my mom just sat me down and my dad joined in eventually just like they laid it all out for me. They told, they told everything that happened like in person, they explained it all to me, what God has been doing. And even though things feel like it's bad, he's still moving. And it was then when I actually kind of believed it, but I still didn't give it too much thought. I was just kind of like, okay, sure. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, like you convinced me, but I, I still didn't give it too much thought. And so I left and yeah. So I came back, uh, for, from Christmas and, uh, and you know, the, the program just got better as relationships deepened you know, because you kind of get out of the, the phase of like trying to prove things to people mm-hmm. to like, these people really are just here for you. So why would you try to hide anything? You know what I mean? Yep. And that's a beautiful, that's a beautiful transition to make. Um, but yeah, we went on a mission trip to El Salvador, this kind of second part, this second section of the, of the gap year program, we got jobs in, in the city. And, uh, some of us got two because, some didn't have the availability for you to go in like the amount of times that the program wanted you to. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, I had one at Larsh in, in Hamilton, one of the houses, one of the Larsh houses in Hamilton and the other at Philpot Memorial church, which for, uh, some of our listeners, you might know that Russell Bartlett is the pastor of that church. Mm-hmm. And Russell is the one that, uh, helped bring me on that while one mission, uh, he's a former Pentecostal pastor, and, uh, you know, then you run into him. And I'm guessing maybe he planted a seed or two in your head. Did he ever? <laughs> I mean, I've, I, had a, I had a lot of mentors during the program that were, like, magnificent and, like, teaching me how to work through the pain, even if I don't realize it. Like, but not even just working through it from, like, a psychological standpoint from a like therapy it's like no like how do you get to the bottom of the issue here how do you stop beating around the bush you get to the bottom of the issue and then you take that to god because how how much harder is that Mm -hmm. but i mean that's the steps that have to be taken you know but yeah then i met the whole crew at philpot memorial church and you know i was i was right at home 
you know, eventually me and Russell just get to talking. He's like, he pretty much just asked me why I'm here. And I'm like, well, you know, eventually I'd like to be a church planner, I guess. Um, and then he says, well, boy, do I got an organization for you. And then he hooks me up with mile one mission. I did a couple calls with Steve and I was just like, this is where I ought to be. That's it. <laughs> Boom. Um, and so, you know, I was just, well, first of all, I was just thrilled at the idea of moving across the country again, just cause I mean, I wouldn't say I'm okay. You know, I was going to say that I'm not particularly adventurous, but then I considered that for a second. Dude, you drove across Canada yeah. and then like in 2012? 2012. <laughs> yeah. Come on. Yeah, so, all right. So let's fast forward to that part a little bit. So, you know, you, you've, you hear from Russell about Model One Mission. You talk to Steve Bray, I assume. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you're like, yeah, this is, this is what I want to do. Right. Um, so like, what was that trip across Canada like for you? Cause you're only what 19 yeah um it was it was awesome it was scary i mean any flat tires or anything nope no i'm telling you man i'm telling you <laughs> god bless kia soul not a single issue then and now perfectly fine even now it's insane i love kia souls so which province was your favorite province all right anybody who disagrees take it up with adam <laughs> Saskatchewan was fire. Really? Saskatchewan really? was fire. You're not even going to say Newfoundland where you are right now. Well, Newfoundland, it was just like, it was awesome. But like, if I had to, it had the magic of the beginning of the trip. Really? So what was up at Saskatchewan? Well, it was, it was also the day before. Well, I really didn't like Alberta. I really didn't. Um, but when we were in Alberta, my, my buddy, Jacob, he was, he's my best friend, been my best friend since like grade six. He came, yeah, with he, me. he came across. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He came across with you. I didn't go alone. I, I, I don't think I could have done that, but he came with me and you he, probably would have done like some sort of like dummy next to you. So he yeah. someone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he, he, he went to YWAM actually. And so he had some, he had, he had a, a friend who, who's in Alberta in mm-hmm. a nice little rural town. I forget its name, Okay, but he was like, yeah, like, Hey, we need a place to stay. We have tents, but I mean, do you think you could put us up for the night? He's like, yeah, sure. I'll order you a pizza. And that's, that's, that's what happened. And I was just like, man, that's dope. And so we, yeah, it was, it was great. And so kind of off that high, we left at like three in the morning because it, it was like a 13 hour driving day. We had to make it from, from, I think it was around Lethbridge? That's okay. in Alberta, right? Yeah. Yeah, Lethbridge to Winnipeg. So we skipped. We weren't stopping in Saskatchewan. We had to drive right over it. And so my buddy, my buddy Thomas Hamlin, otherwise known as Teebs, said that to make Saskatchewan and those prairies feel magical instead of boring, listen to Zach Bryan. Just put on the albums and just, just cruise. And like, even now I can't stop listening to Zach Bryan. It's just, it was, it was awesome. You're not going to win me on the prairies, man. I'm sorry. Just, just when I drive back, you can come with me. I'll show you. All right, bet. Uh, but yeah, it was, that, that was probably my favorite part. All right. So what convinced you to come here? You know, like what you want to be a church planter? Was it just Russell, you know, saying you should go here? Was that a conversation you had, Steve? Like, what, what, what was it that kind of convinced you to come here? 
Well, I mean, I got called to, to ministry when I was 14, and that didn't start as church, being a church planner. That started as being a pastor. And eventually, growing up in a church plant, I was like, well, I prefer this to any other kind of church. Small, I get to know everybody's name. I get to be in life. I get to be in my own, like my community is my church. Mm-hmm. Like, and I, I see everybody I know wherever I go. And it's just, that seems awesome to me. Whether I acknowledge that or not, my brain slowly shifted to like church planning. Okay. Oh yeah, come on. And so, I mean, I just, that was just a conclusion that I came to probably when I was 16 and I didn't know how to get into the game. I didn't, I didn't know how to connect with any like organizations mm-hmm. or like networks because it all seemed pretty elusive to me. I just knew what I wanted to do. And then eventually I'm just doing my thing. I'm minding my own business. And suddenly this guy that I've not known for very long says, Hey, here's a church planning organization that would probably love to have you probably maybe. And I was like, sounds good to me, you know? And then it was just, I don't know if it was, I kind of just made the decision. I don't know what specifically convinced me, but I was just sold. I was just kind of sold. And there was just one moment where Steve was like, we were on a call and he was like, so Wes, you in? I'm like, yeah, dude, come on, let's do it. And then we didn't, we didn't really have another call after that. Mm -hmm. The expectation was that I was in Newfoundland by the 28th. And buddy, I was. <laughs> yeah, we didn't know if you're going to make it. I mean, dude, we had a rush around even when you got here to get you to, getting you into your apartment. But I mean, yeah, some other things that happened. I mean, talking about talking about Northview, and this is kind of where the the resolution came for me. Mm-hmm. Just because I made my peace, I made my peace with the church closing down. Okay, you know, yep. I found I found other churches. Uh, we attended Northview, and it was awesome. And you know, like it's still like even now. It, it, it hurts, you know, but yeah, yeah. it, I mean, but you can see kind of by the sounds of it, how God has, was working something better for you and your family. And like, what happened to the most people who were going to church? Did they absorb into Northview? Or? They, it was, they dispersed. Okay. Yeah. yeah. They, they, everybody found a church or stopped mm-hmm. going to church or something like mm-hmm. that. And so, yeah, it was, yeah, well, I, I mean, before I left, for, it was probably the week before I left. I grabbed a coffee with Mark Birch, who's the pastor of Northview, mm-hmm. the lead pastor. Mark's a great guy. Yeah, agreed. Um, and you know, we were just, we were just chatting, and he was like, "So, did anybody tell you?" And I'm like, "No. What? What would? What would I? What would somebody have told <laughs> me? You know?" And he pretty much went on to explain that when RLCC closed down, I mean, we had kept receiving donations, you know, and we didn't really have any place to put our donations because we didn't, because everybody knows how expensive land is in British Columbia. And so by the, by the end of it, by the time it had closed down and there was all, there was this money in RLCC's bank account, my dad pretty much says, you know what, Northview, we trust you. Do what you will. Just take it. And so they donated, I think 50 grand of it to uh, a new church plant that they're going to put in Surrey. Praise God. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and they donated another 30 to send me and Mark, if you're listening, dude, I was holding back tears and I cried on that drive home (laughs) cause that was, that was crazy to me. And I, you, we have this thing that, sorry, you're, you're so upset about, you can't understand, 
Like, what, what's happening? Why is this happening? I'm away from home when this is happening. You know, you don't want to hear your mom or dad crying or anything like that, right? Like, you just don't yeah. want to do that as a kid. Yeah. And then you, you, you've, you're struggling to processing. You're like, okay, I get it. When your mom did set you down, you're like, I kind of get it, but I don't want to kind of let go of it yet. Yeah, totally. But that then leads to you being connected with mom with mission. But not only that, you getting supported to be able to come here and do what you've always felt like you were called to do. Yeah. So how's that God? How's that for God working in your life? Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. Cause that is crazy. Talking about God's timing earlier, dude, not a second late. I'm just, I just like, apparently that decision was made like a little while ago and they were supposed to tell me earlier too, but it was the week before I left that I first heard about that news. And I called my mom and I was like, you guys knew. And they were like, yeah, you didn't. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, yeah, no one told me. So, <laughs> and so, yeah, it was just like, and I mean, I had, I had come to that kind of it was before I heard mm -hmm. about that, that I came to that kind of resting. It's okay. Something's going to, something's going to happen. It was good for something. Mm -hmm. People were saved, you know, hopefully seemed like it. Friends were made. And these are friends that I'll have for a long time. Even if, even if they're still in BC, you know, and there was so much experience that I got from that observing and being a part of it. Mm-hmm. You know, it was good for something and that's all I need. I had to come to that conclusion and then I heard about that news and then somebody told me and I was like, okay, dude, I'm sold. That's it. <laughs> Praise God. I mean, it's those moments over kind of God, just like when you, you, when you can finally connect the dots Yeah. and it's kind of like, okay, God, I get it. Like your plan is better than my plan. Mm -hmm. Like, you know. I was, I was angry. didn't understand it. Right. I thought I knew the way. Yeah. And yet now this unfolds and you're like, okay. It's kind of like when mom and dad's finally yeah. right. You got <laughs> You're me. like, oh, it was okay. It was a lot like, it reminded me of Job. It was like, you know, it was like I was questioning him and then and there was a lot of conviction in my heart. And eventually I came back to the point where I was like, you know what? It's okay. Mm -hmm. it, it felt a lot like the 40 reasons why. And then Job was like, you know what, God, I get it. I get it, man. And then no one also 30 grand is sending you as well. And I was like, okay, there's the other 40 reasons. You know what I mean? <laughs> like just, just rubbing it in my face at that point, you know, praise <laughs> God. So, you know, you're here on the ground. Um, two questions. What have you learned already? And what else do you hope to get from it? Because you're only, like you said, about 10 weeks into it very early. Um, but is there anything that's really stuck out to you that you've learned since coming here? Well, I mean, right out the gate, this is a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> you know, something I learned real quick is just, it was, it was quick into the process where I was just stressed. I was like, man, I can't do this. This is so much. There's so much to think about. Mm -hmm. There's like, I gotta, I gotta learn everybody's names. You know, I gotta, I gotta invest in people's lives. I gotta, I gotta learn how to adult. I gotta learn how to cook. <laughs> You know, I got, there, there's so much on the line here. I got to learn how to be a good roommate, you know, and how there's, this is so much and I'm 19. How am I supposed to be ready for this? No, Wes, you are. I put you here. I did not you. I put you here. And it's even, it's, it, that reminder is also even, you might not even be ready, but God's going to see you through it. Yes, exactly. Right. right? Um, so what do you hope to get out of this? I mean, you've gotten those life experiences. There have been some ups and downs. You know, I know we've chatted a bit and you've struggled with like not having as many close friends here. I mean, dude, you're 19, you moved across the country. 
right? Mm -hmm. And to probably one of the one of the most unique probably cultures, um, at least in the country, I, I, I would argue. I mean, I'm a proud, born, raised Newfoundlander, so I'll argue uh, black and blue. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But like, you know, you feel cultures, my thing, and now you're realizing this this can get pretty hard, pretty intense probably gives you a bit more of an insight to what your father went through mm -hmm. but uh, mm -hmm. what are you hoping to get out of your time here i think in short i think i just i just want to keep riding the wave becoming a pastor and more so about following god and seeing how this story unfolds because i mean it's had twists and turns already and so as much as i'm gonna invest in people and i'm gonna try to work hard and i'm gonna trust that god will see me through the thing that I want to get out of it the most is I just want to continue to see how God is working. Wes, you seem a lot like a young guy who's basically here before God saying, you know, here I am, Lord, send me, right? Whatever it's for, I just want to be where you're working, right? Wherever you're working, whatever you're doing, I want to be a part of it. I want to see that. And sometimes that's in our life and that's not as comfortable <laughs> as we want it to be. Um, sometimes it's in the lives of the people around us. But, you know, I, I do give you props for moving across this country and, you know, taking that chance, that leap to see what this looks like. Um, and I look forward to what God's going to do in your life, whether it be church planting, whether it be, you know, taking on an established church, whether it be here in Newfoundland or Ontario or BC. Um, but I think that I think you've come here, you know, with a good posture and I hope people take that from you. It's not that it's not that Wes isn't you know, prepared for any of these questions or anything, but he's, he's being honest. And I think we should all step back and kind of appreciate his honesty in the sense that he's okay with God writing this story. He's okay with stepping back and even admitting, like, listen, I don't know all the answers, but I do know these specific things that God has shown me. And that's not a bad place to be. You know, we sometimes like to have all of our T's crossed, all of our I's dotted. And when we do that is usually when things don't work out the way we plan, you know, when a church closes, you know, you had this great idea of what, you know, real life community church could be in the future. Like you said, we we're going to win this thing. Like I, you, you probably had, you know, whether you realize or not some ideal of where that church was going to be. Mm -hmm. And then that just, you know, bombs and crashes. Right. And then you find yourself on the East coast of Newfoundland with, having to make new friends, having to learn, like you said, how to be an adult, you know, pay bills, cook meals, make friends, be a good roommate. Not what you think, you know, how winning at, you know, what God is going to be, you know, being this Christian life. And, but yet you're also seeing ministry behind the scenes, seeing ministry, what happens. And I think that's a humbling place to be. You know, I think it's a good posture to be like, you know, here I am, Lord, send me. So, you know, as Wes shares a story, I do encourage you listening to pray for him, get to know him, um, introduce yourself to him if you haven't already, and pray for him. Pray that God, you know, works in his life over the next couple of years while he's here. Pray that he gets that sense of direction, you know, an even firmer calling of where and what he's supposed to do. The calling doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, a vocation, but maybe he's called to be a part of a church somewhere else. Maybe he's here for a couple of years is trained well, has good memories, and moves on. Maybe he stays here and marries a Newfoundland girl. Who knows? Pray for young men like Wes, um, who are probably across this country, and like Draven, um, who have come here just seeking God's will and be like, you know what? I don't know if I'm called to church planting. I don't know if I'm called to be a pastor. Uh, thought that probably once in my life, but I'm okay with what God's doing. 
so thanks, Wes. Thanks for sharing your story. This whole story, God has given me the gift of being able to look back mm-hmm. and see what he's done, and I can't deny it. There is nothing that could ever that could ever keep me from saying that that wasn't God's plan because yep. that was too perfect. No matter how hard this is, and no matter how lonely it gets mm. by myself across the country with no friends or family for now, I can't deny that this isn't where God wants me to be. And if any listeners have questions or want to hear more about my story or wanted specification on anything, I'd, I'd love to talk to you about it. Yeah, reach out to Wes. Um, you can find them at, is it Wes at Mile One Mission? Yep. So Wes, W-E-S at mileonemission.ca. That's his email. Uh, send them, send them your questions. Uh, feel free to connect with them, especially if you're in the area. I know he would love to meet more people from Calvary and even the St. John's area. So until then, thanks again, Wes, and, uh, we'll catch you all next week. You've been listening to Rugged Theology. Rugged Theology is brought to you by Mile One Mission. If you want to know more about Mile One Mission and our work in Newfoundland and Labrador, visit www.mileonemission.ca.